How many of you guys like country music? Okay, a few people. Okay, there's, um, yeah, I, hey, um, boo, boo. Oh, we're gonna start division in the church. Oh, perfect. I think we talked about forgiveness last week, didn't we? All right. Um, so there's a, I really like a, there's this country song. I have so much stuff up here I don't know what to do with. Oh, those are for my eyes. Um, there's a song by this guy named Aaron Tippin that I feel like is a, um, a life song for me. Uh, listen to this. You might have heard this song. It's called You Gotta Stand for Something. Okay. So the, yeah, so the verse is this, the verse in chorus, it starts out with, Now daddy didn't like trouble, but it came along. Everyone that knew him which, uh, knew which side he would be on. Uh, he never was a hero or, country, or this country's shining light, but you, you could always find him standing up for what he thought was right. He'd say, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You've got to be your own man, not a puppet on a string. Never compromise what's right and uphold your family name. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And, you know, we're talking about um, Independence Day starting tomorrow, and we can actually see the shift in our country, right? That We don't stand for the things that our country was founded on. We're moving ever further and further away from that. And the reason why is because we have just jettison God, right? We just kind of see a God. And in my own life, I've, I've never been a, a pure follower in the sense of I like to allow people to do things. Um, and I'll follow them to see if they fell. Like, that's probably not a good thing. But I do that because I always have in my mind, this is what a good idea is. And then, I, I'm, and then someone goes, well, I have this idea. And I say, okay, why don't you go do that? I'll follow you, and if it fails, then we'll do my idea, which will actually work. And um, if it doesn't, though, if you succeed, that actually teaches me a lesson of things that maybe I could do. Um, and so the whole purpose is to make myself better, um, either feel better about myself or to learn something. And so this whole idea of learning to stand for something is there are things in our lives where we have to, no matter what, right, we can't follow things uh, certain things, and but we see that in our country, right? We see that people just start following things, even if everything's against what that is. If everything says don't do it, we still see people going down the wrong direction. Um, but it always comes down to a choice, and that's the greatest thing about our country, right? Is you have a choice. You have a choice to do your own thing, to go and to accomplish things that. No other nation. I mean, just think of the things that have accomplished in our nation in the last 200 years, right? Um, talk about Marika's great-grandmother. Uh, wonderful lady, just a wonderful lady. Uh, she came over in a, in a carriage, you know, in a, um, in a wagon over to California. And here's someone that saw that, saw the advent of the automobile, then saw someone go to space, then saw, you know, she had all these things. And when I met her, which was about 2003, about, I don't, you know, somewhere in there, the early 2000s. Here's a lady that she has seen all this stuff. Where else could that have happened except in America? Right? And the reason why is because the choice was given to people to go out 
and get it done. Right? You couldn't come over here and just hope that everything would work out. Right? It was, you got to pile the field. You have to build the machine. You have to go, go, go. And we see the results of that now, right? And as the saying goes, right, um, difficult times create difficult men. Difficult men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create difficult times. And we're in this situation where the difficultness has come and gone, and now we're in a state of weakness. But it's still a choice, right? We can either choose to walk in the foundations of this country, or we can choose to walk on our own path. And there's always that choice. And that's the greatest thing, right? Because we have the freedom to choose. It's like, I love firearms. I love guns, right? You have a choice in our country to carry or not. More so in some states than in others. Thank God for the Supreme Court. (laughs) Um, You know, and there's things that, so we have freedoms that just the freedom to speak and to say a mean thing, that's something other people don't have, right? I was listening to Trudeau, right, the prime minister of Canada, and he comes out and says, you do not have the right to self-defense, talking about the Canadian people, but here we do. We have the choice. You can carry or not. Right? And so this choice is huge, but no greater choice is there than to choose God or not. Because in our world, right, our whole country was based on the choice of, I want to choose to live a divine, in a divine governing situation. Right? In fact, I can't remember the, the guy's name, but he said something along the lines of, our nation is made for moral people. You can't be moral and be a part of this nation. It can't be done. It's just you have to get rid of it. And so it's this idea of choice and choosing to, to follow the God who divinely allowed us to have this nation that we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 19. Um, we've been going through Matthew. This is our 33rd week into it. Um, I think we'll finish Matthew by the end of the summer. If not, it'll be pretty close. But we've been talking the last few weeks about what Jesus calls the childlike faith, right? That he brings in this child, and the disciples ask, who is the greatest? And he says, the person that is a childlike in our faith. And we talked about what childlike faith is. It's trusting God without having to, to have any other reason, but just to trust. My wife said this should actually be called toddler faith, um, because once they get to a certain age, then they start arguing with you, Right? And so this is that, that toddler trust. It's, um, I'm going to trust you, God, no matter what. Whatever you say, I'm going to trust you. And it's that trust that we're supposed to have. And so last week we saw Jesus basically telling us, here's a way to put this into action. Forgive. Right? Forgive when someone hurts you. Forgive when someone sins against you. And that was huge because Jesus puts it into really stark language when he says, unless you forgive, my Heavenly Father won't forgive. I mean, that's pretty like, do we understand the the weightiness of forgiveness? 
You know, and so that's a huge thing. So be a child is to forgive. To have a childlike faith is to have a forgiving faith. And now we're moving into this next thing. And uh, we've been talking about how Matthew's divided into, sort of divided into these five discourses, these five sermons of Jesus. And the, technically, the sermon's over. Okay, but I don't think that Matthew's done. And you'll see, because we talked about how the beginning of this whole thing was with the child being brought in front of Jesus. Now it ends, in my opinion, with another child being brought into him. We'll get to that today as well. But here we are in Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to look at another part of what Jesus says here. So Matthew chapter 19, we're going to read through verses 1 through 12, and we're going to leave 13 and 15 for a little bit later. But here we go. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Bless you. Bless you. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let, let man not separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that the man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wife because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept the word, but only those to whom it has been given. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men, and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. All right? So we have this situation with Jesus, and they, these Pharisees come up, and this isn't the first time. We've seen them talk, ask him for a sign, we've seen them talk about the Sabbath. Um, these people have been coming to Jesus to try to trick him, to get him to, to fall into a trap in some way. And so they ask him about divorce. Now, in our culture, divorce is a touchy subject still, right? Um, if you've been through a divorce, it's not a fun thing, right? Um, it's not something that, and when the church teaches on it, I've had people tell me, well, what do you know about it? It's like, that's true. I've never been divorced. I don't think my wife's planning on it. Um, and so that's why I keep certain days, right? I remember certain times. Um, and so, but here's Jesus. It comes to, come, these guys come to him and, okay, let's ask him about divorce. Divorce is a big thing, especially in this culture, right? Don't, you can't get divorced. That's the idea. And so they come to him and say, what do you think? Now, if we just think what's going on here is about divorce, we're going to miss it. Okay? There's a deeper issue that's going on here. In fact, when Jesus replies, how does he reply? Haven't you heard? Okay? Haven't you heard? And then he takes them back to Genesis 1 and 2. See, this is a thing I think that we can miss with our, our whole discussion of a lot of topics in our lives. 
A lot of times when we're talking about different subjects, whether that be divorce, whether that be um, right now in our society we have these, these problems with gender, right, gender identity. Am I a boy? Am I a girl? Am I they, them? Am I Z? Am I, you know, all these different gender stuff, right? That's going on in our society. Um, homosexuality, um, identity, all these different ideas are found within Genesis 1-2. The answer is found in Genesis 1 and 2. Because there is the original creation, God's intended purpose. So that's why he says, this is good, this is good, this is very good. Okay, Every time he creates, every time he's done with the day, he says, this is good. Why? Because that's his intended creation. And so anything outside of that intended creation, that's sin. So if God didn't create it, the, the, and we corrupt it, what ends up happening? That's called sin. And so what does Jesus say? Haven't you heard? And he goes back to Genesis 1 and 2. And he says, haven't you heard that God created them, brought them together? God performs this first marriage. And so what is the purpose of marriage? It's procreation. It's companionship. Right? It's also, if we read through Paul, it's also an image of Christ and the church. Right? The, so marriage has a, a lot of value to it. Not so much in our society today where you can get married, get, get out. You know, we see this in, um, in celebrities and it's like just a turn cycle. Right? But the original intention was that marriage would be something that is very valuable. Right? And so, so haven't you read? So he says, go back. And we should do this in a lot of different things, right? Go back. Go back to the Word. Go back to the original design. If I ever ever question, God, is this wrong? Go back to the original design. Okay? And this is one of the things when we talk about homosexuality. Go back to the original design. Haven't you heard that God created man and woman? Right? And that's also the gender identity stuff. Man and woman. Right? And so you have all this stuff. And he gets them back, takes them back there, and then, but what do they respond with? But, didn't Moses say, and I just love this because this just reminds me, several times in the last few chapters, I've just been reminded of Matthew 7, where, the, where Satan comes to Jesus to test him. And he uses scripture, and it's just twisted enough so that you could easily fall into it. And then Jesus doesn't. He responds with Scripture. But here again, here's the Pharisees. Didn't Moses give a certificate of divorce? Right? And that's a really easy way to get out of it. You know, in some cultures, um, you just have to say a certain word like a few times. It's like divorce, divorce, divorce. And don't be in an argument and do that. You know, with someone else. Man, uh, just, divorce is just... The, I've just said it a bunch of times. And, oh, sorry. Good uh, thing we're not in that, that thing. I'd be dead. Uh, but why did they do this? Right? Not the Pharisees, but why did... He says, doesn't Moses give, give us a way out? And Jesus says, that's because of their hard-heartedness. Their rebelliousness. They wanted a way out. They wanted a way to circumvent God's command. It's not just them. 
if we're honest. The Pharisees would try to do that. We try to do this, right? Okay, God, do you really do I really have to do that? Do I really have to forgive them? How about just how about just I'll forgive the people that I really like. How about that? And we kind of barter with God, right? And what does God say? No. Forgive everyone, right? God, um, I'm pretty good. Um, Can't I just do this in my own strength? No. It's in my strength. Because in my strength, your weakness becomes strength. Right? This whole idea. And so, but we try in our rebelliousness to find these loopholes in God's command. And here's the Pharisees trying to do just that. Haven't you heard it? Haven't you read, right? Taking us back to the original. Yeah, but they got a loophole. Why not me? Well, it's because they were hard hearted, just like you, right? I do this. God, do I really have to do this, right? And so we find loopholes in a lot of things. One of the things that we, in our society right now, in progressive Christianity, we've talked about this a few times, um, the idea, okay, God is love, right? Which, agree, God is love. But you know what? That is usually used as, so we don't have to worry about His holiness. We don't have to worry about His justice. We don't have to worry about sin. Yet, haven't you read Right? And we go back to the scripture. So Psalm five four. Psalm five four, the psalmist is looking at God and he says these words. He says We got that? I think yeah, for you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness, right? With you evil people are not welcome. That doesn't sit very good in our idea of well God's just love. He's just going to accept me. Well, God is love. What? But we leave out the holy. God is also holy. We actually did a whole um, study on this. Of what is If God was going to just give us one attribute of Him, what would Scripture give us? That He is a holy God. In fact, again and again and again throughout the Scripture, He calls us to His holiness. And so, yes, God is love, but He is also holy. He doesn't like sin. He can't be around sin. And one day He will judge sin in its fullness and send those away that have not accepted Him and only take those with Him who have accepted Him. And that is not a fun idea that we have. Right? It's not something our society goes, hey, that's great. Because our society just wants to be patted on the back and say everything's okay. But it's not. And that's why it's called good news. Because with all good news, there's usually some bad news. And so the good news is that Christ died for us. But then with the Christ died for us, I've heard Christians say, well, I now can do whatever I want. My sin's been forgiven. I can do whatever. You know, and the reality is, no. Again, haven't you read? Right? And in 1 Corinthians, Paul has this idea. Um, where are we? Yeah. Do, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? you read that? 
whom you have received from God. You are not your own. Okay? You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God in your bodies. Now, you know what that means? I know this might sound kind of weird because we don't really like this idea. That means that we are Christ's property. Now, that kind of doesn't sit well in our culture because the idea of being someone's property means that you are their slave. Right? And we don't like that idea because of our history, of our nation's history. We don't like that idea, but you know what the reality is? We are. In fact, Paul says we are slaves to Christ. He's trying to get across this idea that Jesus has bought us. Jesus has taken us. We are His. And why? Because He loves us deeply. We are His portrait, right? He, he paints us. You know, in, um, in the Psalms it says that He knits us together, right? He created us. He is our owner. He's our, he's our Father, right? And so this whole idea that we are His is really important. But that means I don't get to go out and just sin whenever I want, right? I just don't get to do whatever I want. There are desires, there are things that I want. I was telling the Sunday school this morning, you know, if God said, just let me do whatever I want, Michael wouldn't like this, but we would move out onto a ranch and I would just work. Because that just, I just enjoy just working with my hands. And if I'm going to be stressed, I'd rather be stressed about that than about a lot of the other things I'm stressed about today. You know, those are the, that, my desire is to be one place, but God's call is to be somewhere else. So no offense, but if He ever allowed me, I'd be out of here in a heartbeat. Because my desire, right? But if we follow just our desire, then we're never going to be where Christ has us, where Christ wants us, where Christ has work for us to do. So you might be here, and, and I wish Lucy, she just went to the restroom. Here she comes. Maybe she'll wait to make this point. But Lucy has been here for a couple months, and she's trying to get out of here. Okay? But God's like, no! Yeah, see? So we have we have Ladybug to... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a domino effect of people just praying that we don't leave. If we're going to suffer, you're suffering with us. That's the idea. You know, but but Ken over here, a couple, what was it, last year or the year before, he wanted to take off, right? But God said no, right? And it's this, the calling of God to be placed where God means that we don't have the freedom we think we have in Christ. We have freedom because we're free from sin, but we are His. We are His, and He directs us where we're supposed to be. So no one looks at courtside and say that's the place, right? <laughs> but there's so many things here. I've known people that have come here and they didn't know why. And God grabbed a hold of their lives and shifted them from out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. 
And so this whole idea of I get to do whatever I want. No, we, we have freedom from sin. We have not freedom to sin or freedom to do what we want. We have freedom to do what God wants and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this whole idea that we need to submit to Christ, right? We need to submit to Him. That we need to um, just be at this place. And I want to go back one side there, um, Carol, just real fast. This idea of this, this part at the end of this passage we read. Jesus talks about this, this eunuch. And it's really easy. I've heard people talk about it and interpret it in the way that they're talking about celibacy. Right? Because what is a eunuch? A eunuch is someone that cannot have children. Right? Um, for whatever reason, they cannot have children. So Jesus gives us three examples of eunuchs. There's the eunuchs who are eunuchs by nature. That means they were born, they just can't have kids. Okay? Um, and we can get more graphic in our description, but I don't think we need to. Right? Then there are eunuchs who are castrated. That means they have been, the ability to have children has been taken away from them. Right? And then he talks about this eunuchs for the, the for the kingdom of God. Now, people have interpreted this as solely of a celibacy nature. That, um, that you're a eunuch, you're not going to have sexual relations, and that's it. But if we're following everything that's been happening, the childlike faith, right? The need to forgive. The fact that we can't, sur- we can't find the loopholes of God's command. Jesus is going beyond just this idea of divorce or sexuality. Instead, it really comes down to the choice. You have a, the choice is made to follow God, not because of a natural you are. So, the biblical understanding of salvation is you're not born into it. You're not born a Christian. You accept Christ. There's an acceptance. There's a choice to be made. And you're not made to make that choice. So you're not naturally a Christian. And you're not forced into being a Christian. God doesn't do that. He doesn't force you to accept Him. So what do you need to do? We need to accept. We need to become the eunuch. You know, the eunuch can't do certain things. That means the disciple of Christ can't do certain things. We can't engage in sin. We might falter. We might fall in. But as soon as we go, you know what? This sin is okay. I'm just going to do it. Are we now following Christ? No, we're actually um, making a mockery of Christ at that point. And so Jesus is calling us to this choice, right? That we submit to God, not by nature, not by force, but by choice. The greatest freedom, and this is one of the things I think, why... Our nation works when it when it's you know when everything's working right. Even when it's not, it's still better than anywhere else. It's because freedom is found in God. He's the ultimate freedom enabler. Every page of the scriptures is about the freedom, because every single one of those people had the freedom to choose God or to not. The freedom to do what God commands or to not. 
And when we do it, we see great blessings happen. And when we don't, we see the curses. In fact, in the whole idea of the, um, the covenant time, when God was calling the Israelites to covenant, they had people on one hill and people on the other. One would shout out blessings. One would shout out curses. And the idea is, if you follow God, here's the blessings. If you don't follow God, here's the curses. And the reality is, that's what it is here. And we can see it in our nation. Our nation was founded on biblical principles. The blessings came. But we would consistently... Our nation isn't perfect. It's run by sinful people. And we see consistently, though, we go further and further into sin, further and further away from God. Why? We have the choice. That's because God gives us the choice. The ultimate freedom is to choose. The ultimate thing to choose is salvation or not. Think about how great of a choice that is for humanity. I mean, that's something that none of the animals get, but we get, that divine choice. And then at the end, though, I think this is, I think it's funny. Um, at the end, in verses uh, 13 through 15 here, we get this last part. So all this happens, right? Who is the greatest? Jesus brings into a child. You've got to be childlike faith. You've got to forgive yeah, make the choice to follow me. And then at the very end, you get this little passage. Then the little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. And the disciples let them in. That's not what it says. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. What were the disciples just listening to? They just went... Right over their heads. Jesus said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went out from there. We need to be those childlike people that make a choice to say, God, whatever you say, that's where I'm going. We can't be like these disciples. Hard-hearted, hard-headed, that we constantly just go, yeah, but I'll do my own thing. Yeah, I'll just continue doing my own thing. No, it's Jesus is saying, you follow me or you don't. There's no in-between here. This is, you know, this is one of the problems of the, of the Laodicean church. They weren't doing what God called them to. And Jesus is like, well, I'm just going to spit you out. We are called to make the choice and then to go with it. And if we're not, are we really following Christ? So my challenge for you is very simple. There are a lot of things in my life when I accepted Christ that I did not hold um, that were biblical. So I believed in homosexuality. I believed in abortion. Um, I believed um, that... God doesn't have any right over me. Um, There's several other ones. Um, and then over time, God has moved me away from all those. There's some things I still, I grew up, that are still true. Um, but there are a lot of things that I believe that I don't hold to now. I want to challenge you this week to go through your mental Rolodex of things that you believe 
asking God, God, is this something that you would have me do? Is this real? Is this true? So the big thing that I would suggest, like, um, I, I like to challenge people during this time, we had the Roe v. Wade thing come down, right? Um, those Christians that say, I'm a Christian and hold to that, I want to challenge you to go to the Scriptures and talk with God about it. And there's other things. Sex outside of the marriage, that's one thing. Lying. Because sometimes we can justify lying, right? Well, I only lie to those people because uh, I don't like them. They don't need to know the truth. Right? Gossip. Oh God, it's okay. I'm just praying for them as I spread all their you know, back stuff. You know, it's holding on to that grudge. It's okay, Lord, because they haven't asked me for forgiveness. And this whole thing, God, take it to God this week and wrestle with it. Take something that you disagree with God on. Here's the Pharisees. They disagreed with Jesus on this. On this whole idea of divorce. Right? And I want to just... Here's a side note. If you have been divorced, there is grace, there is love, there is forgiveness. Okay? We're not going after people who have been divorced. We're not going after people and condemning people here. Right? Because it's a deeper issue than just divorce. It's an issue of, am I going to follow Christ today? Not what I did ten years ago. Not what I did five years ago. It's, do I follow now or not? And so if we could be a people where we're following Christ, we're saying, Christ is the only person I follow. Then all these yahoos in Washington, D.C., or in our state capital, or wherever they are, making these these things on social media, in movies, on the radio, wherever they are, it doesn't matter because Christ is King. And so tomorrow when we celebrate the independence of this country, we can celebrate the fact that men and women stood up on biblical principles and said, we're going to follow Christ over the King. We need to do the same thing, except the difference is, is we need to follow Christ over these Try want to be kings, and in the newsletters, in the newsletter, that's what I was talking about: the Christian Americans versus American Christians. We need to be Christians following the King, who stand on biblical principles, and vote, and march, or whatever that our voice is heard, because Christ needs to be heard. That's the biggest thing. Because when we don't do that. It's quickly to where you won't have the freedom to do it. You won't have the freedom of speech. You won't have the freedom to uh, assemble or religion or any of these things when we don't step up and proclaim Christ as the head of everything. And we're going to go into communion. And this is a time where we can say, okay, this is what we're going to do Lord, it's a response, right? That's why we always do communion after message. It's a response. Okay, Lord, you are king. 
and I am not. This is a, a prayer I have to say again and again in my own life. God, you are God, and I am not. And so what communion does, it brings us back to the, to the reality that Jesus died for me when I didn't deserve it. I still don't deserve it. But he did it then. So that means I'm his completely. And I don't get to... Once I make that choice to follow him, I follow. I say, okay, wherever you take me. So let's pray, and then we'll go into communion. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this great nation that you've given us. Lord, help us to be people, as I said before, worthy of it. That we would stand as our brothers and sisters before us on the Word of God, which grants freedom to all those who call upon the name of Jesus. And so from there, into our civil uh, institutions. Lord, we know that they've gone so far away from you, but Lord, help us with our choice as individuals and then as a collective of your people stand and make the choice and say we're following Christ. And so with our vote, with our, um, with our lips, with whatever, whatever things that you have given us, Lord, move us that we will be salt and light in this country and that through this that we can proclaim Christ until you return. And so, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to make that choice. Because who else but you could give it to us. And so, Lord, we thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If I could have the guys come on up.